Yeah, you know, they call our gut the second brain, but I think our gut is our first intuitive brain. And a lot of depression and anxiety happens when we're kind of losing the connection to our true selves. I'm sure everybody's heard like 90% of serotonin is made in the gut. Is that that serotonin can't cross the blood-brain barrier. It's not being made for the brain. It's being made for the gut. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. When we tend to think about gut issues, we often relate it to experiencing bloating, gas, even acid reflux after a meal, or constipation, or some other issues specifically connected to gut discomfort. For instance, did you eat anything this weekend that made you feel bloated or gassy or had your pants feeling a little bit tighter than usual? Maybe it was pizza or an ice cream sundae or that second serving of spaghetti. Now, rarely do we connect the dots to gut issues and other symptoms like feeling tired, PMS symptoms, menstrual cramps, hot flashes, even more disruptive hormonal issues like PCOS, estrogen dominance, and endometriosis. But I'm here to tell you today that they are directly tied together. If you have an inflamed gut or gut dysbiosis, which many of us have to some degree, it's going to show up in our headaches, our aches and pains, our anxiety, our sluggishness even our most disruptive hormone issues. Even the concept of anxiety and gut issues aren't normally talked about in the same sentence, but the truth is that a leaky inflamed brain caused by a leaky inflamed gut often will drive anxiousness, moodiness, and even brain fog. Because I know concerns around loss of memory and focus along with unexplained anxiety and moodiness are very connected to our gut health, I'm always trying to find ways, specifically solutions, to heal the gut by implementing simple yet effective protocols. And that is exactly why I invited Dr. Vincent Pedre to join me today to talk about the connection between our leaky gut, which he says at least 77% of us have some form of it, or gut dysbiosis, and the role that these extremely common gut issues cause in creating system-wide inflammatory disruption, especially on our hormones, our metabolism, our blood sugar, and mood. Now, Vincent is one of my dearest friends, and he has a new book out called Gut Smart, and it provides an incredible framework for figuring out what is going on with your gut health and then what to do about it. Because like inflammation, there is a spectrum when it comes to gut issues, right? Some people have very minor gut problems. Other people have very severe gut issues. And what he's done is based on a quiz, he's created protocols to meet the needs to adjust to your specific gut issue. Now, before I bring Vincent on, because I'm so excited to have this conversation, because there has rarely been a book out there that really breaks it down in such an easy manner that you can literally take home and start implementing today, but I want to quickly sing his praises. Dr. Vincent Pedre is the medical director of Pedre Integrative Health and the founder of Dr. Pedre Wellness. He is the founder also of Happy Gut Life and works as a nutraceutical consultant and spokesperson for Nature MD. He has an incredible lineup of gut concierge products. He has a concierge practice and his new book, Gut Smart Protocol, features 14-day personalized gut healing plan based on his Gut Smart Quiz, which is a culmination of decades of research and clinical experience as a functional gut health doctor. So let's welcome Dr. Vincent Pedre to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Vincent Pedre. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing so good and always really delighted to see your happy face. Well, you are one of my favorite people in the whole world, and we have been knowing each other for quite some time, and we have spent a lot of time together over the years, although not in the most recent years, and I can't believe you've got a new book coming out literally in just a matter of weeks, and we're going to be talking about it, and it's all about really gut smart, how we can support our gut to live a life of longevity, energy, and to balance our hormones. And so I want to know, what was the impetus? What was the motivation for this second incredible gut book? Ah, oh, that's such a good question, you know, because uh, you'd think that I would have just written it all in, in one book. And I'm kind of a guy that likes to go deep into one area. And uh, the gut spaces, there's just so much to learn there. And so much that has evolved ever since my first book came out that I felt like I needed to put together not just the, the new research on the microbiome and the gut, but also my clinical experience and what I've seen with patients since my new book, because I've seen so many patients with gut health issues. And I felt like I, I wanted to solve the problem, but in a different way, in a way that made it really practical for people in a completely food-based program that is based on a quiz, I call it the gut smart quiz, that determines your gut type, like how much gut dysfunction you have, but it's not just about the gut, it's about like how the gut affects the rest of the body. And then based on that, I devise these food plans and food lists and everything, depending on whether you're mild, moderate, or severe. And it puts you on a 14-day program to heal your gut and beyond. Hmm. Talk to me about the magic number of 14 days, because I know from a new clinical standpoint, and honestly, that feels, it feels very doable for the average person. But what I'm hearing from you is that we can see some pretty big transformations in 14 days. I would say that 14 days is the minimum. If this is the healthiest you could be, and you're over here, you obviously have a longer ways to go. If you're here, you've got a shorter trajectory. But if you're out there and you're listening, and this has been me from at times, let's say this is ultimate health over here. Let's put it next to the tree, to my green tree. Let's see, can I do that? Yeah, with my virtual screen. And I call it the drift. So you're, you've been really healthy. You get fit for an event, for a wedding. And then little by little, the old health habits start creeping in and you start drifting away from this optimal place. And it happens so slowly that I call it a drift. It's like you're on a raft in the ocean and you're just kind of slowly drifting away. But you know when you've been on a raft and you think like you're not really moving and then you look up at the horizon and you realize, wait, how did we get over here? Like this is really far from where we started. And I've, I've seen that over the years with patients that it's not like you, you go from being your healthiest to then suddenly being really unhealthy. It's like you slowly drift away. That's happened to me. And I'm sure people are listening out there probably thinking, yeah, like, is that you also? Like, That's happened to everyone, right? And getting back to that place uh, is a journey. But what I wanted to show people is that it's not as long of a journey as you think. When you make the right changes, when you know exactly what to do, because I think the biggest thing is that people are always confused about 
what do I do? What do I eat? You know, what foods are right for me? What foods are not right for me? And what I did is I took that question and I put it in through the lens of the gut and the gut microbiome, looking at the rest of the body and then guide people on what is right, what is wrong. And it's not just about the foods, it's about the mindset, it's about how you approach eating, it's about how you care for your body and your nervous system. And if you do all the things in my book, not just the diet approach, but also the mind-body stuff, the breath work, the meditation, all that, in two weeks, you can be a whole different person. I agree with you there. Well, I think what I have found in a 14-day program, because I have a couple of different 14-day programs, that what I have found in those 14 days is that the first five to seven, not so fun. Like, you're in it. But then you cross that threshold into the second week, and it starts to click, and you start to feel different, and you start to feel like, oh my gosh, my body is working for me. I can see how my body is healing. And then what I always find is that a majority of people will get to the 14 days and say, you know what? I'm going to do this for another seven or I'm going to do this for another 14. That's why in my book, what I tell people to do is, you know, once you get to that 14 day mark, you're going to take the quiz again and you're going to do it for two reasons, because the quiz not only gives you a qualitative place like your mild, moderate or severe, it also gives you a score and the score can be anywhere from 25 to 500. And depending on your score, or is it, I got to remember now, is it 500 or 450? You might want to erase that. It's all good. Get the book and get the quiz and take the quiz. (laughs) It's in there. It's in there. I'm just trying to remember. So anyway, you get your first score and then you get a second score and it's going to do two things. One, it's going to show you how far you've come because sometimes we're really hard on ourselves and we think that things haven't improved. So it's designed to help you see what has improved. But two, what if you started off in severe and now you're at moderate, then you can redo the program, but now you're, you're starting it from a new starting point. You know, And like you said, a lot of people, they feel this, it's getting through that initial part. It's like a chemistry reaction. It takes energy. It can be taxing on your body. It can feel bad at times if you're taking out some foods that you were used to eating, if you're removing sugar from the diet, if you're removing alcohol, which is a big gut disruptor. And you're not going to feel great for a couple of days, but you got to stick with it because what's going to happen on the other end is something really amazing. And like you said, the people who get to that point, a lot of times they realize what you thought was the end of the race is actually the beginning of a new race. And it's the race for your health, for your life, because you realize, wow, if I can do this in two weeks, what happens if I do this for another two weeks or another four weeks? How far can I get? And I think that's why you and I are so passionate about talking about these things because like, we've been in our own health journeys and it started off, you know, for me, it started off as I'm gonna take gluten out of my diet for two weeks. This was back in 2007 when I found out that I was gluten sensitive and I was worried about autoimmune disease, leaky gut, all these things. I mean, this is why I really got into this track. And I did it for two weeks. I just said, I'm gonna do this for two weeks. At two weeks, I felt so much better 
than I felt at day one. And that first week, let me tell you, it was hard because I had to reprogram all of the ways that I ate. And I see people do this. Like, think out at the to the audience, like, have you ever changed your diet, but then found it really difficult in the beginning because you're reprogramming the way that you think. And then once you do, like, you know, you can't, if you're taking gluten out of the diet, you can't just run for a sandwich at lunch. You can't grab a quick bite of pizza unless it's a gluten-free pizza. And even then it might not be so great because it's going to make you crash with the carbs. But once you rewire that, and I got to that two-week mark, and I had this burst of energy, and I felt better than I had in years, I thought, well, what happens if I do it for another two weeks? You know, sometimes it's better. And that's why I brought it down. My first book was a 28-day program. And I think 28 days feels really far for people, a whole month. And bringing it down to two weeks, 14 days is not that long. You can, you can look into the horizon in 14 days and see like, yeah, I mean, it might suck a little bit, but I can get through that, right? I can do 14 days. I agree. I, I love that this new program. Yeah, I love that your new book and that it has, you know, depending on the severity of your gut health, that it's a 14-day protocol that people can get a real sense of things. Because as you said, what's that first step? And, you know, how do I commit to those first steps, you know, and it not being that long of a journey? And then from there, like you said, it's the start of a new race. And I love that you build in assessments into it as well so that people can kind of figure out where they are on the journey to decide, okay, what's this next step for me and the next step for me? I just, I love that so much. And then obviously there's going to be even that, that very little, you know, kind of gut issues you know, protocol is probably a very sustainable, you know, maintenance protocol that people can go back to over and over and over again if they notice any of the signs and symptoms in the questionnaire. I love this. And I know a lot of people know that gut health is so, so critical and so important because it's connected to pretty much everything else in the body. But can you speak specifically to how gut health really supports women's health, women's hormone health? Yeah, it's so important. I mean, let's just start with the liver being the primary organ that processes and activates thyroid hormone. So it turns T4, the precursor hormone, which is kind of like the currency of thyroid. It's flowing. It's the savings account for thyroid, but it's not active money. So it can't really do the action. It needs to be converted into T3. And 60% of that is happening in the liver. And you're probably thinking, well, why am I talking about the liver when you're talking about the gut? Well, the liver is connected to the gut and detoxification and all that. And we think of the liver as our primary organ of detoxification. And we forget that the gut microbiome, we actually have to think about all these bugs, like 100 trillion of them hanging out in the large intestine. You have to think of them in aggregate. They are acting like an organ. And some of the things they do is they activate 20% of thyroid hormone. So now between the liver and your gut microbiome, you're depending on your liver and gut microbiome for 80% of active thyroid hormone that is circulating in your blood to make you feel energized. Then we have to think about all the other hormones that are being processed and for women specifically estrogen, progesterone, but really the big one is estrogen, right? Because we're not only being exposed to our own body estrogen, but we are being exposed to estrogens and estrogen-like chemicals that come from 
petroleum, that come from parabens, from phthalates, from things that are called just fragrance that you see added to your skin lotion, from abobenzone, oxybenzone, all these things that are added to sunblocks that, yeah, they do help block those UVB rays, but they're also estrogen-like substances that are coming into your body. And if you already have imbalances in estrogen dominance, if you tend to have really horrible PMS, you get a lot of um, swelling, your breasts get really tender, you have fibrocystic breasts, all of these are signs that you're estrogen dominant. Well, your gut is playing a role in that as well because the gut helps you either process out estrogen or release it and recirculate it back into your body. And it depends on the types of gut bugs that are in there that might act as, I do a presentation on this and I, and I kind of make those gut bugs like kind of like raccoons. So we're packaging the hormones, we're putting them into nice little trash bags, we're sorting them and we're dumping them out with the bile in the stool and then you get these bad bugs that are like raccoons that go in and they break open that trash. And then, hey, now that estrogen that was all packed up and ready to leave your body, which is where it needs to go, it's gotta be pooped out. It's gonna recirculate back into your body. And if you're also using makeup and skin lotions and other things that you might put on your hair and body that have estrogen-like compounds or drinking a lot of water from plastic water bottles, then you're over-estrogenizing yourself and increasing your risk for things like uterine and breast cancer as well. So the gut plays a really important role with that in the way that our hormones are either activated or how they're deactivated and moved out of the body. And so then connecting that to the importance of bowel movements, because if your poop is sitting in you for too long, then it's just hanging out for too long that trash bag is going to break open and then this stuff is going to start recirculating back into your body. Thank you so much because you're absolutely right. Either there it's active we, our gut is participating actively in activating or deactivating hormones, which is so so critical. And you're right, if we are constipated and we're not moving things through, that just ends up forcing things to get recirculated. Let's talk a little bit about bowel movements for just a moment and the colon and what would be considered not regular bowel movement detoxification, like more than once a day or less than once a day, like where can we land in terms of optimal? Because I know that if you're not pooping, you're not detoxifying. If you're not pooping, you're not detoxifying. And I can't tell you how many times over the years I had patients come in and say, doc, I thought it was normal to just go two to three times per week. And your body, when you do that, is holding on to a lot of toxicity. You've got to go at least once a day. And some people will actually go two or three times per day. Some people go after each time they eat. But minimum, you've got to be going one time per day. And if you go one time per day and you just get a couple of pebbles out, that's not pooping. No, you're because you might think, well, I'm not constipated. Like Dr. Pedre said, if you go once a day, like you're not constipated. But you go and you just get like goat pebbles out and you get very little and you don't never feel like you fully empty, well then you're still constipated even though you're going once daily and you've gotta look at your intake of fiber, your intake of hydration and healthy oils like omega-3 oils. And do you have any, do those, does that get addressed inside of the book too, protocols around? Cause I feel like, gosh, 
millions of people are constipated. Like maybe they're going once a day, but they're not even fully emptying their bowels. And so, you know, there's impaction and there's still have, you know, where we're holding on to this waste that we're not getting rid of that's causing issues down the road. And I mean, and a really great strategy with that. I mean, there's a lot of different toolkits that people can use like magnesium, mag citrate. I really believe in just balancing the gut microbiome with fiber and prebiotic foods as well as fermented foods, but it depends on your gut type. Because if you have severe gut issues, then your gut is not going to be ready to eat a lot of raw vegetables and you can't have fermented foods. So you've got to first know what your gut type is, what you're starting with, and then you start your diet there and you start to heal your gut and get yourself to a place where you can start having those regular bowel movements. Perfect. Thank you. I, I really appreciated the clarification because I know these types of questions come up for my audience. A lot of my women are struggling with estrogen dominance and, uh, you know, and probably every single part of those three different detoxification pathways are gunked up to some degree. But a lot of people don't realize that kind of 3.2 isn't, you know, is not the estrobolome, but then the colon. So yeah, you could, your estrobolome could be, I mean, the odds that your estrobolome is working great and your colon isn't, it's probably not necessarily the case. But let's say you do get, you are able to, you know, it's methylated, it's packaged, it's water soluble, your estrogen, and, you know, and the, and the raccoons didn't mess with it inside of your small intestine. But then you get to the large intestine and we don't move it out. And guess what? There's nasty, dirty raccoons in there. Not that raccoons are dirty or nasty, but let's just say those ones in your colon are, and they end up ripping it open and sending it back through the system. And so I just wanted to paint the picture. You need those three parts, and I call it the triad of detoxification, the liver, the gut, and the gut microbiome. Because I think a lot of times when people think, oh, I need to detox, they're just thinking about their liver. But actually, no, the liver is only one of three very important components. It's the liver, the gut, and the forgotten piece, the gut microbiome. I love that. I love this so much because I know sometimes I'm talking about detoxification and gut health and I always include the liver because I feel like these two organs, the, well, the whole digestive system and the liver are working in tandem. And if one isn't working, it's going to have a profound impact on the other. And so, you know, I love that your book is addressing the whole component, obviously multiple more components than that. And I wanted to shift my focus to another area that I hear so often from the women that I'm connecting with. Actually, I was just talking to a coaching client a second ago about the you know significant decrease in serotonin and dopamine that she's experiencing the depressive ex feelings that she's having and and she knows it's so interconnected with her gut can you talk a little bit about that connection because i think a lot of us are struggling with depression or anxiousness and our gut is definitely not happy either and not having it yeah you know they call our gut the second brain but I think our gut is our first intuitive brain. And a lot of depression and anxiety happens when we're kind of losing the connection to our true selves, in a sense. And what's really interesting is, you know, I, I'm sure everybody's heard, like 90% of serotonin is made in the gut. But what they don't realize when they have read that or heard that is that that serotonin can't cross the blood-brain barrier. It's not being made for the brain. It's being made for the gut. It's controlling things like gut motility, but it's also controlling communication between the gut and the brain. We call it the gut-brain axis or the gut-brain connection that's happening through the vagus nerve. And a lot of times when people are depressed, they're anxious, 
their digestion is off, they're constipated, you know, they have a rock in their stomach, they're not feeling well when they eat, things don't digest well. They're actually suffering from low vagal tone. And part of the way to activate that vagal tone is through the gut by supporting the gut microbiome, which is going to produce these neurotransmitters like serotonin that then stimulate these 5-HT receptors. There are serotonin receptors at the endings of the vagus nerve in the gut that then shoots a signal to the brain, activates the vagus nerve, and then has a very important regulatory role in the brain. So they've even looked at studies where uh, people with treatment-resistant depression, what if you use a, an electric stim device to activate the vagus nerve, and they found that they could actually get people who were not responding to medication. I think 37% of people in this study responded who had been treatment-resistant, nothing was working, when the vagus nerve was activated, their depression lifted. So there is a power to that gut-brain connection, but you don't need to just use a, an e-stim device. There's so many things you can do, just starting with supporting your gut microbiome because it's speaking to your brain through your vagus nerve. And also there are other activities that people do that I teach like um, humming, like breath work, deep diaphragmatic breath work with humming. Because when you hum, since the vagus nerve travels through from the brainstem on either side of the vocal cords in the neck down and innervates all of the internal organs. When you create that hum, you're sending a signal to stimulate that vagus nerve to get it to fire. Because a lot of people, they, they probably think like, I'm not feeling well, and they don't know why, like a lot of these things aren't going well, but the vagus controls gut permeability, it controls the motility of the gut, so it, it's a contributor to constipation. It controls stomach acid production and it controls secretion of digestive enzymes. So when your vagus is low, it's not firing because you've been really stressed, you're anxious, you're feeling depressed, maybe you're eating the wrong foods, you're eating a lot of sugar, you're eating all the comfort foods because that's what you think is making you feel good, but what you don't realize, it's just digging you deeper and deeper into that hole of anxiety, despair, and depression. And so <clears throat> when you reactivate this vagus nerve, your bowel movements start to improve, your digestion starts to improve, everything about your gut starts to improve. And then that then has a reciprocal effect on your brain. You know, so in, I know you're from a Latin family, so I, I'm sure you know, I'm gonna translate this saying from a Latin family that says that when your stomach is full, your heart is happy, yeah. And, you know, I used to think about that and I would get mad as a child because when I was getting uh, upset or irritable, they're like, oh, he needs to eat, feed him, <laughs> feed him and he'll feel and he'll be better. And I was like, no, I'm angry about this. <laughs> like, you know, a full stomach, happy heart. They're like, let's just feed him. He'll be, he'll be better. But it is true, you know, that our, you know, and, and a lot of our love languages for each other, right, are in cooking a meal when you love someone, when you have a partner, like it's, and you prepare a meal, it's very special. But really what we're doing is we're honoring the fact that our gut is the gateway to mental health and to our mental well-being. And it's so important for that. I agree. And I'm so grateful that you kind of really kind of broke down that the serotonin that our gut is making is for the gut. 
And it's for the gut-brain connection. Not that it's crossing in the, to the blood-brain barrier. I think when we talk a lot about serotonin being created in the gut, that that's what we're using in our brain. But no, it's the gut that is needing all of that serotonin. But if you're not making enough stomach acid, if you're not breaking down that protein into component amino acids that get absorbed into your circulation and then go feed your brain so that your brain neurons can create their own serotonin, but if you're not breaking down your protein because your, your stomach acid isn't up, your digestive enzymes aren't working, then you're going to be depressed and anxious. So it's, it's actually twofold. One, we, where the gut is a big player specifically in how much are those neurotransmitters are getting created, but then also obviously the gut is feeding the, our nutrients to the brain, which is again, energetically, probably the most, the, the organ that requires the most energy, you know, our brain is ferocious when it comes to what it needs. And so I really appreciate that, kind of breaking that down as well. The last piece I wanted to ask is, you know, in one of the areas that I know so many people are focusing on is metabolic health. And I know that our microbiome is a major player. I think of the, our, our microbiome kind of as the traffic, you know, cop on the street directing traffic in, in New York City, right? Just, you know, trying to like all the traffic that's going everywhere. I almost think of it as uh, almost like we're Pinocchio and we think we're alive, but we're just a puppet. And the, the ones holding the strings are all our little critters, the gut microbiome. They're controlling everything. And we think we're in control, but they're actually in control. They're controlling metabolism. They're controlling sugar sensitivity, insulin levels, hormones, all that stuff is being controlled in the gut. That's a perfect analogy for what it is. Because you're right, you know, when we're, we're craving something or we're feeling hangry, that's the gut microbiome. I always feel like it's those little bugs that are screaming at us if there's an imbalance there to drive us towards some of these behaviors. And honestly, these behaviors, like if you're craving something and if all you do is take three deep breaths, and I talk about this in my book, like using the breath as a way to reset the system, you take three deep breaths, with a long sigh, and you can actually reprogram that almost like that monster-like craving that's like taking over you because sometimes it's actually your gut microbiome or bad bugs like yeast telling your brain, you need to eat more sugar, but you don't really need sugar in that moment. And a lot of times, like if you, I'm sure if you ask people like, are you really hungry? Or is it just like something took over your head and you need to eat that box of cookies right now. It's the sugar microbiome. <laughs> yeah, exa exactly. And so I know that some of the latest research is showing us that your microbiome is absolutely playing a hand in insulin sensitivity and blood sugar regulation and our metabolic flexibility. And if, again, if we don't have the right microbes in place or we've got an overgrowth of the not so great microbes, especially things like candida or you know the sugar loving bacteria, it's going to be really hard to stabilize our blood sugar. What I want to say is for anybody who's listening, if you've been trying really hard, you've been going to the gym, you're on the treadmill every day, and you think you're doing all the right things, and yet nothing's budging on the scale, you feel like nothing's moving for you, and you don't know, you're frustrated, and you don't know what to do anymore, you need to look in the place that you haven't looked yet you've got to look at your gut. That's the block. That's what's keeping you from being able to budge on the scale. 
Now, I know we've been talking a lot about the microbiome and, and its kind of infinite connection to our overall vitality and energy and metabolic function, also our hormones. And I know that inside of the book, there's a questionnaire that walks us through kind of where do we land. But you know, we're going to link to that. We're going to link to the book. We're linked to everything. But are there some considerations that each and every one of us should take on when it comes to having a healthy gut, you know, taking care of our microbiome that are probably in every protocol? I know that you said that there are other aspects of gut health that are not necessarily probiotic foods and digestive enzymes and fermented foods and bone broth, but there's other pieces that we should be considering. There are some overarching concepts that are are really important. And right now, I think I would probably, when I say this, I might like people might want to shoot some darts at me, but I'm going to say it anyway. Alcohol. I know. Hey, look, I'm a dad. I've been a single dad for, I don't know, many years. And I've got a sister with four kids. And I know like the end of the day comes and then you're like, you know, I'm stressed. I kind of need that drink. You know, sometimes we use it as as an escape. It might not be that you drink a lot. It might be just that one drink. But that one drink, that alcohol, is a gut disruptor. It's actually going to increase gut permeability. It's going to increase inflammatory signals in the body that are going to then lead to insulin resistance. It's going to increase more fat getting deposited in the middle of your body. And it's going to just inflame your body long term. So one of the things that I always talk about is like removing the obstacles to healing. And sometimes we're wondering like, well, I'm, I'm only drinking like on the weekends. Yeah, but that's still, you know, sometimes we think we minimize things. So I was like, I was on a call today with a patient and we had done a, a wheat test. And that's another big thing because wheat gluten is a big gut disruptor across the board for almost anyone. So in my opinion, it's important to take wheat out when you're doing a gut healing program. And I think there's plenty of other places to get fiber from that are not whole wheat that are better for the gut and for the body. We have done a test. So when people work with me, obviously I'm doing testing and stuff. And the test lit up with all of these different reactions to different wheat metabolites, including I think people don't realize because we always vilify gluten. He also had antibodies to non-gluten wheat proteins. And I don't think people realize this, but you can actually develop antibodies to other proteins in wheat that are not gluten. So it's not, gluten isn't the only bad thing. One of his antibodies was actually, um, it's called low molecular weight glutenin, is actually related to things like asthma, eczema, and just generalized itching that a lot of people have. And so we were talking about it and he's like, well, I'll reduce it. So I'll only do it once a week. And I'm like, and I'm just shaking my head. And then he said, okay, well then I'll do it once a month. And I was explaining to him because this is a very common, I'm going to call it a mistake, but it's just the way people think like, well, once a month is not a lot. Like it's not going to affect me. And really, if you're having a reaction to something that is damaging your body, that once a month isn't allowing your body to go through the full healing arc that it needs to go through. And actually, every time you have it, then it's kind of setting the clock back. So each time, it's like you're going forwards and backwards, forwards and backwards, and not quite getting to that place where you can fully heal because things like gluten, wheat are associated with autoimmunity. 
further along. And it really can take longer. So, you know, we started the conversation with saying, you know, this 14 days, because I think it's better to keep the horizon close when you're embarking on things. And then when you get to that point in the horizon, realizing the journey maybe is longer, but I did this. I could do another two weeks. And maybe at those two weeks, you see, you know what? I'm feeling so different now that I'm going to love myself more than having to have whatever that is, whether it's the drink, whether it's the gluten, whether it's the dairy. Dairy is very constipating for a lot of people, women especially. Um, and you don't know, like you think you're, you're having yogurt, you're having a little bit of cream in your milk, and you don't think it's a lot. Again, a very important pe- thing for people to realize is that a little is a lot. If I take you down and I, and I shrink you down like those Disney movies where you go down into the microscopic level, that tablespoon of dairy is actually much bigger than you think from the point of view of your immune system. It's almost like a whole container. It's like an aquarium of de- dairy when it gets down there. And these things have real effects because our body is speaking at the quantum level, at the, the microscopic level. And if you really want to get results for yourself, you have to bring yourself down to that level and understand that even a small exposure is actually setting you back. Yes. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And yeah, unpopular opinion. A lot of people are not not ready to hear that. That one glass of wine once a week or on the weekends is going to set you back. That one little sandwich or that little bit of dairy or sugar in your coffee, <laughs> it's going to set you back. It's the gateway, you know, because if you have sugar cravings and you're a sugarholic and, and your gut needs a lot of healing in order to reduce those bugs, that one glass of wine maybe then makes you need to have those cookies or have those crackers later because then it triggers the sugar cravings. And next thing you know, you're doing the drift again and you're going back to where you were before. Yeah, I, I think the big takeaway here is sometimes we need the hard reset where we remove a lot of these, like you said, these obstacles and for an enough time for the body to truly heal, for the immune system to reset, for your insulin to reset, for your microbiome to heal and crowd out the bad bugs that are going on in there. That's the name of the game. I think what ends up happening is we we're almost to the finish line so often, and then we bring something back in a little too early. And again, you said we, it sets the clock back over and over and over again. You've got to switch the script inside your head. and change it to not that you are depriving yourself because that's the mentality that makes you feel like you're like oxygen starved as you're getting to the finish line. You're like, you're just waiting. I'm waiting for that day. I can have my drink, you know, and, and really look at it as what are you doing for yourself for self care? What are you adding in? And looking at it from the the positive point of view, rather than what is it that you're taking away, think about what is it that I'm adding in that's making me feel better? What are the little wins? And you build upon that. Those are like stepwise activations. I love that. Okay. So where can we get the book? And I have a feeling you have something, a little gift for us too, that we can kind of get a sense of things regarding the book as well. Yeah. If you, if uh, listeners, uh, if you go to gutsmartprotocol.com, G-U-T-smartprotocol.com forward slash gift. You can download a free chapter from my book that will give you an overview of what the book is about, 
And I think I'm like 100% sure that anybody who reads the free chapter, which will take just 10 minutes, I timed it, it's really quick, you will be convinced that the book has a great deal of value for you. And there's so many little golden nuggets of practical tips in this book that people can take away to optimize their health, their their physical, their mental health, and their gut health. Oh, beautiful. Fenton, honey, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for writing this amazing book, coming in from the perspective of your expertise and your knowledge. I know you've served tens of thousands of people in this area, you know, helping people to reestablish gut health. And now you're putting it in such a practical guide that there's very few books out there that just deliver the change and the transformation that people are looking for. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Based on my many, many conversations with Vincent over the years, which I've been so blessed to just have him in my life, it is clear to me that all of us can use a little bit of gut support. And it's important to get a gauge to know exactly where to start, right? Always, how do I even get started with my gut health? What are the types of symptoms that I'm dealing with? How can I actually start to address those specifically? That's exactly what this book is bringing to the table. And that's why I love that Dr. Pedre wrote this book. I know that what he's witnessed post-pandemic is that many of our guts are in a worse state. We are more inflamed. Our immune system is more whacked out. We're seeing more cases of autoimmune system, autoimmunity in women. And the first place we really have got to start is our gut health. And I'm not even talking about adults. Let's not even, you know, we get into the concept of even children and how we should support them. This is why this book is so important. So if you want to learn more about what your gut needs, or you need a protocol because your doctors are not finding answers, they're not seen anything or they're telling you, hey, just take some antacids or maybe take a probiotic, whatever they may be telling you, and you want something more comprehensive, I highly recommend grabbing a copy of the free chapter that he's offering as a bonus today to kind of get a sense of what this book is all about. And also, if you're thinking to yourself, like, I need this book right now, and that this is my thought exactly, I'm going to have a link to the book outright for you to go and buy it. So again, I hope this episode shed some light on what is possible for you in healing your gut and also all of the ancillary issues that you may be dealing with that are tied to to an unhealthy gut. And if you did love this episode, be sure to subscribe to the show for more tips and ways to heal your body and heal your hormones in a really big way. And if you have a chance, also make sure to rate the show so that more women can find it and become the CEO of their health. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.